So two interwoven stories of healing. One of a 12-year-old girl and the other of a woman who's been bleeding for 12 years. As long as this little girl has been alive, this woman has been bleeding. Think about that. Likely a uterine hemorrhage, which made her unclean, unable to enter the temple. No one would have placed a hand on her or hugged her. She'd spent all her money on doctors and it had got her nowhere except desperate and destitute and alone. And as Shannon said, here's Jesus who is exhausted from what he did on the other side of the lake and the crowd is pressing around him and he welcomes these two divine disruptions. Uh, Jairus, the synagogue ruler for his daughter and this woman herself who's been leading. He welcomes the divine disruptions. And I wanna just say this passage terrifies me as a girl dad. I have two sons. I love being a son of boys, but I'm a girl dad and I love being a girl dad. Are there any girl dads out there? There's nothing like being a girl dad. There's nothing like the sense of affection and protection that you feel for your daughter. From early on, uh, Sophie and I, we just got one another. And uh, we share a love of old guitars, old trucks and old cars, uh, good coffee, uh, old music. Uh, last week, I, was, I, I took her for coffee at actually the place she works, Golden State uh, Brewery and Coffee Place. I think it's a brewery, and, um, but we didn't get beer, we got coffee. And um, on the way back, I was driving in our old, my old truck, and uh, we were listening to James Brown drinking our coffee, and she says to me, driving along Chapman, Dad, I like how slow you drive. And she says, sorry, my, my lace has come undone. She says, you know, Mom drives quite fast, she was telling on Mom, <laughs> which is true. And uh, she says, she says Asher drives quite fast, but when you got such good music, uh, such good coffee in such a cool old truck, it's good to drive slow. And I was just like, oh, girl, dad, there's nothing like it. <laughs> and that's why I just identify with Jairus. Because as a girl, dad, if your girl is hurting, if she's sick, if she's troubled, there is a kind of an angry ache that you will move heaven and hell. I get that movie taken. You will move heaven and hell to help your daughter and see her get help. And it brings me, go there with me dads for a moment. It brings me into empathy with Jairus who although he had massive religious standing and dignity, he is a desperado. He puts his dignity on the shelf, throws himself before Jesus in the dirt, begs him to come and imagine the desperation, imagine the relief when the healer comes with him. My girl, it's gonna be okay. And can you imagine the consternation when Jesus stops on the way to heal your daughter and says, wait, wait, I felt power go out of me. Who's touched me? Can you imagine how frustrating it must have been as you see Jesus heal this woman with the issue of blood and probably think there might not be enough healing to go around? And can you imagine the devastation 
when someone from home comes and says it's too late your daughter is dead the anger that someone else got healed I just want you to go there with me for a while not just dads but moms and everyone else and, and Luke, who is actually a doctor, a medical doctor, is also a master storyteller because he's creating tension, the tension that Jairus must have felt, the tension that the woman with the issue of blood must have felt, 12 years. Is anyone gonna be able to heal me? And Jairus, has she taken my daughter's healing? Is there only gonna be one healing? And we see that actually Jesus is the great physician, a physician like no other because there's enough love and power and healing to go around. And I just wanna say, whatever healing you are needing, actually there is enough love and power to go around. That's what we see here, that Jesus is a physician like no other. And if you see the contrast between Jairus and this woman, you will see that the scope of Jesus' love reaches such diverse people in such desperate need. One has a daughter sick who's 12 years old. Another has been bleeding for 12 years old. One is the ruler of the synagogue. The other is banned from the synagogue because of her sickness. One has a name that's so respected in the whole city, the other doesn't even have a name here. No one knows her name. The one is respected and accepted, the other is banished and rejected. The point is, there is no one too messed up, too unclean, too insignificant to get Jesus' attention. And the point is too that there is no one too good or too powerful or too influential to not need Jesus' attention. The scope of his love and healing reaches us all. And that's good news. This is a physician like no other. Can we see that this physician not only is interruptible, but actually he heals at great cost to himself. This is not a physician that just takes a pill off the shelf, reads a medical dictionary, or has a scalpel in his hand. This is a physician that says, who touched me? I felt power go out from me. In other words, Jesus was willing to be drained for this woman to be filled. Jesus was willing to be weakened for this woman to be strengthened. Jesus was willing for power to flow out from him so that blood would stop flowing from her. It's the beautiful exchange and it actually speaks of the gospel. Whatever Jesus brings to us, whether it's peace, whether it's comfort, whether it's cleansing or whether it's physical healing, it is at personal cost to him. He heals on his own dime, which is a good thing because she has spent everything. She's got nothing to bring and that's okay. Jesus here is actually pictured more than a physician, more like a walking blood transfusion bag. Whatever flows out to us is at great cost to him. What a physician. And then we see that he's, he's powerful. He's powerful to be able to immediately heal what no doctor could heal. And he's powerful enough to actually raise this girl from the dead. It says her spirit had left her. And Jesus says, no, 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 she's not dead. She's just sleeping. She actually was dead. But to Jesus, death is just like falling asleep and then rising again is just like waking up. Jesus is Lord here, 
over sickness and death. He's powerful, but see how tender he is. You know, there's some, some of those doctors that are super skillful, but their bedside manner is terrible. Ever been to those doctors or dentists? Jesus' bedside manner is incredible. Can you see what he calls this woman who no one will touch because she is unclean? He calls her daughter. Daughter, go in peace. Your faith has made you whole. Isn't that beautiful? It's the only time in the gospel that Jesus ever uses this word daughter. And what Luke is wanting us to see is that the daughter who's dying has got a father to plead for her, Jairus' daughter. This lady has got no father to plead. And Jesus, by calling her daughter, says, I will plead for you. I will play father because you don't have a father. Some of you ladies here do not have a father to protect or plead for you. And Jesus is saying, I will be that. I will be that for you. You won't just find healing. You will find family. You will find protection. And what we see is this, this physician heals the body, but actually brings so much more healing. Your faith has made you whole. He pronounces shalom on her. Why do you think he exposes her? He makes her fess up. I mean, she wants to just, I mean, she's healed, grateful, but she just wants to slip away into the shadows. Why? Because she shouldn't have even been in the crowd. Jesus doesn't want to shame her. He wants to introduce her to the greater healing, which is the healing of her whole person. Shalom is the integration of the fragments of our lives into one whole under Jesus. He wants to heal our souls, our emotions. He wants to heal our separation from God because of sin. He wants to heal our bodies to what an incredible physician. And I just want to say as we see and glory in this incomparable Jesus, he wants to make this church a church that brings shalom to people, a wholeness, physical healing, spiritual healing, emotional healing, relational healing. That's what he has provided in his death on the cross. I love the fact that as a church, we are joining 10 other churches or nine other churches to do Feed Brea at the moment. Uh, Reuben and Jacqueline have been leading that, and thank you so much for all of you who have volunteered and, and served. And I reached out to Reuben, and I just said, tell me what's going on. I know you're feeding people. He said, yeah, we fed 4,000 families this last two months. Isn't that amazing? There's nothing like the church when the church actually puts its differences aside and says, let's serve our city. Amazing. But you know what? They've been praying for people too. And he said this last week they had three people that got saved and one lady who got healed of chronic headaches. And I'm just saying, shalom. Shalom is an integration of the fragments of people's lives under one whole. Jesus, let's be those people. That's the glimpse of revival, isn't it? When the church actually ministers to body and soul and spirit for the shalom of the city. Amen? And, and so then we see Jesus is not, I don't know why my lace keeps on coming undone. My shoe needs shalom. I need a double knot, my wife says, but I don't have time, my love. I don't have time. We, we see, secondly, that following Jesus means a, a, a life of divine disruption. And 
I just want to take a quick segue here away from healing, this subject of healing, and see that Jesus, these two miracles were interruptions. And he was wanting to rest. He'd been working hard. The crowd presses around him with all their needs. And then there's these two interruptions. And he does not see them as disruption. He sees them as divine interruptions. And then there are two interruptions that are not divine. There are actually people who are trying to distract him from the work of God. And one is Peter. And Peter, when Jesus says, I felt power go out. Peter, you know, Peter always fills the silence with stupidity. Gotta love Peter, living with his foot in his mouth. And I just go, this is gonna be a pillar of the church. That just like brings me such encouragement, you know? Because I sometimes say things I don't, you know, I shouldn't say, whatever. I'm like, Peter, you set the bar there, buddy. And uh, he's trying to distract Jesus, saying, Master, everyone is touching you. It's like completely unhelpful. It's like, just nothing to see here, Master. Just move right along. And Jesus is just saying, no, 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 no. This is, don't distract me. This is a divine interruption. And I felt the Lord speak to me for you and for us at this time. This time of incredible disruption. 2020, the year of disruption, right? Our routines, our rhythms, our lives have been incredibly disrupted. Our work routines, our education routines, our gym routines, our holiday routines, whatever, it's been incredible disruption. And we resent it, I resent it, you resent it. But I just wanna ask briefly, what if Jesus is using disruption to get our attention to divine interruption? What if instead of resenting the disruption, we actually go, okay, God, you've got my attention. I've become a bit of a slave to routine. And I see in the gospel that some of your best work, your best miracles was on the way when you weren't actually going there, but on the way you were interrupted and you actually saw it as a divine interruption. Okay, Lord, interrupt me and help me to be attentive. Turn to the person next to you and say, may the Lord bless you with divine interruptions. May the Lord give you attention to divine interruption. Seriously, I believe one of the reasons why we pray for revival, but don't see this flow of power, is that we're so slavish to our routine, especially now when there's such disruption, that the Lord is trying to bring divine interruption across our path and say, I wanna pour out my power here. Are you willing just to stop and be a bit late for your gym session, late for your shopping thing, late for your business? Now some of my staff are just gonna say, great, I'm just gonna arrive late all the time. If you arrive late and you heal someone on the way, you're welcome. <laughs> Not if you went and grabbed coffee, you know what I'm saying? We actually, talking of staff, had a divine interruption at our staff meeting on Tuesday where we had a lot to get through. And um, Luis, who's one of our uh, interns, he's actually the goalkeeper at Biola, he arrived in a huge big boot. And uh, JD was leading staff and JD just said, in the middle of things, Luis, what's happened? And Luis just went, man, I've just come through like a knee operation and now it seems like I've fractured my ankle and the medical person says six weeks before I can play. He was so unhappy. So JD just said, let's just pray, let's pray, let's pray. So we stopped and we laid hands on his boot and just cried out to God for healing. Now, now, now hear me, some of you are going, 
Alan is decrying the medical profession. Hear me, I am not. This is written by a medical doctor, Luke. And it's not either or, it's both and. We honor every medical professional here. Please, let's honor them together. Let's do that. Let's do that, yeah? Honestly, we absolutely honor that. But what Luke is saying is that there are moments when actually the medical professions, professionals have made a prognosis and we can accept that prognosis and saying, yeah, that's medically true, but we have the great physician. We have access to him. So we just laid hands. He comes to me this morning. He doesn't know that I'm preaching on healing. He just says, Alan, you'll never know what's happening. He's still got his boots on. He says, I went to the physio the next day and the physio just said, I don't know what's happened, but actually the swelling has gone down. Even the black and blue, it's changed color. It's amazing. Come back to me tomorrow. And let's see, he came back to, me, to, to them the next day. And the physio said, you can actually practice. Keep your boot on when you're not practicing. But he practiced two days after we prayed. It went from six weeks to two days. I'm just saying, Lord. I'm just saying, thank you for divine interruption. Thank you for divine interruption that we're actually willing to stop a staff meeting and say, let's just trust the Lord. Beloved, healing is not a formula. It's not a, an equation. It's not like magic wand. But actually what we see here is Jesus is able to break in to the most stubborn diseases. And let's trust him to do that. Are you willing to be interrupted? Mark Sayers says this, we may not have a plan for 2021, but we have a person. What he is looking for is less control of our lives and more clinging to Christ. Let's cling to him and say, Lord, in this disrupted year, teach me to be attentive to divine interruption. Sometimes that's praying. Sometimes that's a conversation. Sometimes that's physically helping. Renelle and I were having a date down at Laguna three uh, weeks ago, and there was a guy who we had to help who was drowning. And there was this crazy moment where like, we're helping this guy who was drowning. We drag him up the beach and, the, and then the paramedics arrive. Thanks, so thankful for the paramedics. And they just like, okay, we, we good, get away. And I'm standing there just praying, Lord, please heal him. He's having a, an asthma attack. We're looking for a pump. It's in the middle of our date for heaven's sake. And I'm just like, Lord, please heal him. And there's this lady right next to me and she's like, doing this and like chanting and like trying to push the waves back. And I, I say, are you a Christian? She says, no, I'm a witch. I'm like, what? This is wild. Sometimes divine interruption is wild, you know? So now I'm praying for this guy that he doesn't die and praying against her curses or whatever they are. Just going like, this is supposed to be a date for heaven's sake, you know? Gosh, it's wild. But man, that was quite the date. Unforgettable, unforgettable. Follow Jesus into a life of divine interruption. And finally, while faith for healing is not a formula, Jesus wants to work with our faith. Hear these verses, verse 48. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Verse 50. Do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. Hear me here. Work with me here. Because many of us sitting in this room have saving faith. We understand what it is to trust in Jesus for salvation, for forgiveness, for eternal life. But this is a different kind of faith. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Now what we see at the beginning of 
Luke chapter 8 is that Jesus doesn't need our faith to do miraculous things. When he calms the storm, he says to the disciples, where's your faith? No faith, and he can heal the storm, calm the storm. When he delivered the demons from the man from the Gerasenes, it doesn't seem like that man had any faith either. So what Luke wants us to know is that ultimately it's the faithfulness and power of Jesus that is decisive. When we think of faith, we must realize that the object of our faith is more important than the quality of our faith. Sometimes we have zero faith or little faith, and actually the faithfulness of Jesus is plenty. Let's think of this lady, this little girl who's dying. She had no faith, but it was Jairus's faith. And some of you as parents are so trusting for your kids to come to Christ and wake up and come to their senses and get healed and get restored. And you say, but they don't have faith. Your faith, God can work with it. Keep on trusting for your kids. We're trusting for our kids. But actually Jesus does wanna work with our faith. And so we see that this woman had a faith and it wasn't a perfect faith, listen to me. It wasn't a perfect faith. She wanted her faith to be private. She wanted no one to notice. And Jesus actually stopped her in her tracks and made her fess up. In other words, her faith was not perfect, but boy, was it active. It reached out to him and clung to him. When it says, she reached out and touched the hem of his garment, it sounds like a worship song. It, it was far more guttural and visceral than that. Jewish men would wear these these robes with these tassels at the bottom and that word touch is actually to grip or to cling to almost like a kid with their mom's skirt trying to get their attention pulling the skirt down you know it was like that she reached out and gripped it was very strong so while it was a private faith it was a very active faith and I just want to say when we look at healing hear, hear me healing faith is not a formula it's not an exact science, but God does want to teach us not just about saving faith, but about drawing faith. There, there was something about this woman's faith that actually drew it out of Jesus. I felt power exit me. It was almost like Jesus' spiritual circuit board overloaded at that moment. Woo! It was like, woo, what, what happened? And what he's wanting us to understand is that we can exercise that kind of faith. It doesn't mean that we have a perfect theology. I wanna tell you, if I'm sick or in trouble, I don't go to someone with a perfect theology. Although I love theology. I go to someone that has that kind of drawing faith. You just know, they just know what it is to reach out and cling and just say, Jesus, you said I'm trusting you. I'm telling you, those prayers just do something. And we've gotta to learn to exercise that faith. Sometimes we believe and things get worse before they get better. For Jairus, that was the case. Lord, please heal my daughter, and next thing, she dies. Faith is not an exact science, it's not a formula, but we've gotta learn drawing faith. It's not a magic wand. We're not praying to the universe or Harry Potter. We're praying to a person, but we're praying to a person who is powerful, who actually wants us to reach out and cling and keep clinging and I want to challenge you as we land 
One of the ways that you exercise drawing faith for healing, hear me, is that you call on Jesus before you call a doctor. How about it? I love doctors. I'm thankful for doctors and nurses and paramedics and everyone that is on the front lines at the moment. But the problem is, we too easily run to the medicine cabinet or just call or rush to urgent care. And what this is teaching us is, just for a moment, exercise calling on Jesus. And if you go, I don't even know how to begin to do that, the Bible actually says, if you're sick, James 5, call for an elder. I just wanna say as elders, we want to be called. Sometimes on the phone and we'll pray, sometimes we'll rush around, other times here on, I love that Frank and Brandy almost every week will call us. She's wrestling with cancer and she has, and the Lord has sustained her. I'm just saying, that's what we do. It's not that God hears us and not you, it's just one of our jobs to pray for the sick. And Ronella and I have tried to do this. We just don't hear what I'm not saying. We're grateful for doctors. But often if one of us are sick or even our kids or even our dog, we will say, let's pray, let's lay hands on. <laughs> you knew I was gonna tell a dog story. Let's lay hands on, and if it's worse in the morning, we'll go to the doctor. But let's just give it a night. Let's give Jesus a night, for heaven's sake. Come on, don't go dead on me here. I'm not trying to shame you. I'm just giving you practical ways to exercise your faith. I'm telling you, it's, it's an amazing thing. John and Kimmy, Kimmy has wrestled with rheumatoid arthritis for, for many years. One of the reasons why they have so many kids is that she's her healthiest when she's pregnant. Is that right? <laughs> She is, it's an amazing thing. It's, it's an amazing thing, right, John? But they went to doctors for many years, and then about a year or so ago, they said, we're gonna continue to go to the doctor, but we're gonna have a year of concerted prayer. And they brought Kimmy to everyone who had like any drawing faith. And we laid hands, prayed again and again and again. At the end of a year, they were able to come off her medicine. John says, they save $1,300 a month. It's amazing. Just someone who was wise, slowly coming off that, and then keep having kids, right? <laughs> Joking. Joking. Beloved, let's honor the medical profession, but we have a great physician. And actually, he wants his people to call on his name and call the people of God before we run to urgent care. And if we go to urgent care, no shame. Thank you, Lord, that we live with medical aids and that kind of thing. But one of the reasons why, when I travel to third world countries, I see more miracles, is people do not have catch nets. They don't have safety nets. We do. I do. I have a medical aid. I'm grateful. But when we pray, we should pray as if we do not. When all else fails, Jesus, call on you. We've already this, this morning had incredible healings. I prayed for a young guy, Jacob, this morning. He is studying to be a marriage and family therapist. I just said, firstly, thank you, Lord, that you're making this man a physician of the soul. We honor that. We honor that profession. We need physicians of the soul, amen? But he says, I've got a degenerative back problem, and it exhibits itself in knee pain, especially when I move my knees like this. I don't know why he was doing that, but, but you know, he was. I have lateral knee pain. So I prayed for him. 
I had my hand on this right side of his back at the end. I said, did you feel anything? He said, it felt like there was a hand on the other side of my back. I was like, well, it wasn't mine. He was like, well, it felt like warm. And it's great. I said, well, you tell me if there's any easing of pain. Two minutes later, he comes and he says, I've got no lateral pain when I do this. I just wanted to encourage your faith. I'm just like, thank you. Jesus is at work. Now look as we land. It's not always immediate. It's not always. And you know, sometimes in God's great wisdom, it's never. Those of us who experience physical healing, let's understand our bodies will still die. So while we glory in it, it's not the greatest miracle, which is why Jesus coming and saying, Shalom, the greatest miracle is that she was healed of her uncleanness. She was healed of her separation from God. She was given the dignity of a daughter who found a father. That is the greatest healing miracle. That is an eternal miracle. Physical healing is temporal. But what so often happens is physical healing is like the dinner bell that calls us to the real feast of salvation. And so let's push into it. Let's push into it because it'll often get people's attention so then they can go, thank you, Jesus. Now I need your shalom, the greatest miracle. Heal me of my separation from you. Let's pray. Jesus, just thank you so much that you're at work. You're a great, great physician. And Lord, we know that faith is not a formula, but we come to you and we say thank you for your friendship. Thank you for your tenderness. And thank you that the scope of your love reaches both the unclean and those who are powerful. And we just say we all need you. We need your shalom this morning. I pray that you'd make us more interruptible. We pray that you'd teach us about not just saving faith, but drawing faith. And I pray even as we sing and lay hands on the sick this morning, that your healing power would flow. Let's stand together.